Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis. Really good episode today. But before I get into today's show with one of my favorite Twitter follows, really funny guy, we had a really good conversation, the legendary Caps boy, Bebop, we had a really good talk. A couple things I want to touch base on. Number one, if you haven't gotten a chance yet, you really should go listen to the Super Bowl recap show I did right after the game ended with Gabriella Carroll. We stayed up till like 2 in the morning talking about Aaron Donald being amazing. And I went and I spent most of my Monday, like most people, kind of hungover from going to a Super Bowl party and dealing with staying up till like 2 a.m. because I was, you know, got to make the content. And I listened to the football podcast I usually do and... Even though Gabrielle and I had been at Super Bowl parties, and yes, I had frantically been taking notes while managing to eat some food, we hit all the same beats as the professionals did. I listened to the Athletic Football Show, I listened to the PFF Forecast, I listened to several football podcasts, and Gabriella and I hit all the same beats as those shows did, and we did it in a little bit more of an accessible and digestible way. Really good episode. I hope you guys get a chance to check that out. I highly, highly recommend it. Anytime I have Gabrielle on to talk about football, whether it be college or the NFL, it's a very good episode. You will learn something when you listen to that. Today's show, a little bit more on the fun end of things, a little bit less serious, a little more about the state of a team. And that's what I've been doing with these NHL team episodes around the NFL playoffs. I want to get all 32 teams done by the trade deadline. So that by the time the trade deadline happens, we have a good idea where all 32 teams are, even though, you know, only 16 of the 32 are going to make the playoffs. And for the most part, we know what 16 teams are going to make the playoffs already. That said, I like doing this. I like hearing from the perspective of people who are watching their own teams through their own eyes with every game because they don't have an agenda. And that is the central force of this show and why I love doing it. There are no agendas here. I just want to see teams make good decisions, and I want to see teams win. There are no agendas when you want to see teams win. Before I get to today's episode, also, please subscribe to the show. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Do it four or five times. I don't. No, just do it a bunch of times. Make sure you're subscribed at the end of all the toggling on and off. Subscribing helps the show. Next, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify... Please leave the show a review on Apple Podcasts. Once you've hit subscribe, you scroll past recent episodes. You hit five. There are going to be five clear purple stars underneath the episodes. You hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. Please leave a few words. Support the show. Don't just do that for this podcast. If there is any podcast out there you enjoy on Apple Podcasts, leave the creator a written review. It helps them out a lot. Spotify, you subscribe, you got to listen to a few episodes, then you can leave a review. Anytime I make new content friends, I immediately go and subscribe to all their stuff and leave reviews. That stuff is important to us. It helps us out with engagement. Engagement is the lifeblood of a content creator, and you need to have that just flat out. Okay, today's episode is about the Washington Capitals, the team that won the Stanley Cup in 2018, that features probably the best goal scorer of all time, Alex Ovechkin. Other complimentary veterans like Nick Backstrom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Tom Wilson, who everybody knows, a maligned goaltending pair in Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek, an older, experienced head coach in Peter Laviolette, who has been in the league 
almost as long as I've been alive as a head coach. He's been coaching on and off since the late 90s, and it's 2022. So yeah, Laviolette's been around the block. This is an older team that still thinks it has the juice to win a Stanley Cup, and they're a good backdrop. They're always going to be competitive as long as the core of this team still plays like Alex Ovechkin is capable of playing. All of that said, as your little bit of an appetizer, I will see you on the other side of the drop with Cavs Boy Bebop, and we are going to have a lot of fun. And with that, I am very happy to welcome to the show for the first time one of the truly generational shit posters we have on the internet somebody i'm very happy agreed to come on so we could talk about the capitals you know him as caps boy bebop how we doing my dude i'm doing good how are you thanks for having me i'm good we're at the point now where now all we're going to see for the next two and a half months is well, who's going to trade for this person and that person? We're at the juicy point of the hockey calendar, which is why I started doing the series where I'm trying to get all 32 teams by the trade deadline so that we got a good idea of where everybody's at. And the Capitals are a really interesting team. But before we un- start unpacking the team itself, I like to, when guests come on for the first time, unpack a little bit about you and your relationship with sports so I kind of get a good idea of where you're coming from and how you think about things. So the easiest question to start with is, of course, what's your earliest memories with sports? What's the relationship with sports been for you in your life? Um, I started playing soccer when I was like a kid, like really, really little. And I played soccer for a very long time, most of my life. And then I got into basketball for two years. I was the worst basketball player you'll probably ever see in your life. <laughs> I think I scored two points over the course of two seasons. I was a purely defensive player. Um, I was terrible. I was truly awful. So I went back to soccer, played soccer in high school, and then I switched to uh, I switched to hockey after that. And I've been a I've been a hockey goalie ever since. So that's kind of my background with sports. I've kind of always been in and out of. Uh, you know, soccer and hockey and, you know, basketball. We're not going to mention basketball. Hey, everybody has had, everybody had that phase at one point where like their friends were playing basketball. So like, yeah, fuck it. I'll play PAL. And you know, all I was doing was getting rebounds <laughs> and that's all I was doing out there. I was getting cardio in going up and down the floor, but that's really all I was doing out there. So definitely can relate to you on a basketball level there. What's your relationship been with with hockey and with the Caps in particular? Because that's that's what I know you as as a Cap shit poster. That's the online personality <laughs> you've curated. Because you you toe the line between just pure shit poster and also like this hockey team is making me miserable, which is in an interesting dichotomy. I would say that the Capitals are definitely my favorite sports team, uh, and I didn't really get introduced to them until. I was in like seventh or eighth grade. That's when I finally got introduced to hockey and the Capitals. But before that, like I grew up in Maryland, so I was a huge Ravens fan growing up. Uh, But the Capitals have sort of overtaken them over the years as my favorite team, even though like I watched the Ravens win a Super Bowl in 2012. Um, And then I would go and watch the Capitals lose another crushing playoff series. And I'd be like, well, I still, I'm still going to come back and do this again next year, and hopefully it'll be different. 
So that's a really good way to transition into the next part of the conversation, which is they made the playoffs, what, like nine times in 12 years, something in that range. And was there ever a point for you where it kind of felt like it was never going to happen? Or did you keep the faith that they would eventually break through and win a cup? I think, and I think I can speak for like most Caps fans when I say this, the point that kind of broke all of us was the two losses to Pittsburgh in a row in Mm -hmm. 15 16 and 16 17 like that was the point where it was like this is it's never gonna happen when you think about that team oh go ahead go ahead sorry so and it was tough to uh it was tough to keep the faith after (laughs) that that was pretty pretty disappointing and it's really interesting to think about it now with the benefit of hindsight knowing that they went on to win the championship because there was a lot of that the very lazy stuff that was out there the is Ovechkin a coach killer what's the right mix of talent they need to do and they made some pretty aggressive move at points I mean there was the year they traded for Shattenkirk which they really tried to break through they had a lot of different slight tweaks to the formula and what eventually ended up breaking through for them was really figuring out that bottom six having TJ Oshie really kind of figure it out and having Tom Wilson play a meaningful role in the top six and that playoff run, that entire playoffs was very chaotic. It was a lot of upsets throughout all of the series. I mean, the Hurricanes winning a series, Washington winning, the Vegas getting to the final, obviously, Winnipeg getting to the conference final, playing Vegas. And just when I think about that playoff run, it's just, it's a good testament to how much you need to go right to win a championship and that's what it took for Washington. They just, they finally got the playoff run where the things need, that they needed to happen broke their way. Yeah, they got the bounces. They literally got every bounce that they needed. Like the goal in game three, the overtime winner against Columbus that yeah. kept them from going down 2 nothing or 3 nothing in the series, that was a lucky bounce that they would have never gotten in the previous playoffs. So it was, it, like you said, everything just kind of happened perfectly. And going into that season, we were all like, this is probably one of the weaker teams on paper that the Capitals have had in the Ovechkin era. It just wasn't, there was really nothing crazy about it, especially like they lost Justin Williams. He was gone. Um, I think they lost somebody else too. Like we, there was just not a whole lot of hope looking at that (laughs) roster going into the season. Um, But it worked out, you know, it worked out great. All things considered, worked out great. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things, because I've definitely made that point more than once when I've been having a hockey conversation that that was probably one of the weaker Capitals teams of the Ovechkin era, but they managed to break through. They had Holpe go re- on one of those crazy heaters, you your, your goalie, to go on to play well in the postseason. Because the Capitals kind of usurped the Ravens in your personal pecking order, what did it mean to you to finally have the Capitals win a Stanley Cup? It meant the absolute world to me. And it's truly something that, like, I don't really – like, before the Capitals won the Stanley Cup, I was like, I don't want to see this team win. I don't want (laughs) to see this team win. It's not like that anymore, man. Like, for me, I want everybody to be able to, like, experience that um, and to get to, like, know what that's like, like, to watch your team suffer for years and just struggle to get over the hump and then, like, to finally do it and that moment where you can really just like sit there and be like, 
yeah, they won, they won the Stanley Cup. Like, that was real. That happened. Like, I have it tattooed on my <laughs> arm. So every time I look at my arm, I'm like, yep, that really happened. Like, this is – that was a real thing. And I can think back to that summer and, like, all the memories and just – it was amazing. It sucked that I couldn't be there for, uh, like, a lot of the, the season and for the playoffs. I was um, – I moved to Tampa that year. So Oof. I was working for the Lightning at the time. So I had to mm-hmm. – and the Lightning were in the conference final that year, obviously. So yeah. I had to be there for that. But I flew up for the parade. That was a that was a no doubt. I flew up for the parade <laughs> and I got to be a part of that. But man, it was just it was amazing. Like I still look back at that summer as just one of the best summers of all time. How has your feelings about them winning changed as time has gone on? You've gotten a little bit older, a little bit more of a being able to reflect on just how difficult it is. How has it changed for you in the four or five years now going on? I just, I mean, like it, it still means like, it still means everything to me. And like, I want to see them win another Stanley cup, obviously, but like right now, like the, the most important thing for me right now as a fan, the one thing that I really care about is Ovechkin chasing Gretzky. And mm. I think a lot of Caps fans kind of will say the same thing. But I, I'm just having fun now, man. Like the, the things that I used to get frustrated at them for, I don't really get like actually frustrated at them for anymore. Like I'm able to look at them and just kind of like when something stupid happens, like when they scored on themselves against Minnesota, like I was able <laughs> yeah. to just laugh. And just be like, that was really funny. Like I, but if they would have never won the Stanley Cup, I probably would have turned the game off and went to bed. After that. <laughs> I was able to just like watch that and say that was very funny. Um, sucks that it happened to us, but also kind of really funny that it did. So that's just kind of been my whole perspective in the past few years, and I've been able to actually enjoy watching like other teams now, like a mm-hmm. lot more than I used to. Because like I said back in the day, I was like, I don't want this team to win. I hate them they're winning more than us. But now that that's happened, like, like people in the, in the fan base are still like, Oh, you, you like the, you like the Rangers. Like you want the Rangers to do good. I'm like, yeah, they're a fun young team. Like what is, what's wrong with that? And they're like, Oh, you think, you think the Penguins have good players? I'm like, yeah, there's, it's just, (laughs) I I don't know. Like I, the hatred is gone. Like I don't have it anymore. I'm sorry. kind of an exorcism winning a championship kind of got the evil out of you now you're just kind of here for the good time i i definitely understand i'm just here to have fun yeah that that's i lose track of that a lot because the rangers just drive me up the fucking wall but hockey is supposed to be fun this is supposed to be entertainment this is supposed to be an enjoyable experience even if it is stuff that can suck the soul out of you at points which is one of the more frustrating things i mean the rangers and capitals played some amazing series that probably took years off the end of my life when i was like you know like 14. (laughs) like i still think about being down three games to one to washington in 2015 and being like that's it they're never going to win another game with Henrik Lundqvist in the playoffs again and then they scored and then they won six and seven and then they died in the next round against Tampa and just couldn't play defense but it will kill you slowly if you don't manage to enjoy things you gotta you gotta be able to enjoy the small things in the process of hockey because the season is so long the playoffs are so grueling and it takes time like uh, it's really common for teams to have to do what Washington did what Pittsburgh had to do before they went back to back what the Blues did where you got to lose in the playoffs a bunch of times and that sucks as a fan but that really is part of the process and for washington it made a difference 
you could tell that group of guys knew what they needed to do because they'd been there so many times. Yeah, it was just like I said, man. Like I still like, still sometimes can't find the the right words to to really yeah. describe it. But like you said, like you really just have to, you really have to find like the little things to like be happy about and like laugh at. And I've always like I've always been like if you can't laugh at yourself and like your own like teams and like things that you like and stuff like that, then you're just gonna be miserable all yeah. the time. And, like if you can't find something to laugh at especially like the past few years with like everything has been so crazy and like everywhere you look is just like bad news, bad news. Like this is bad. That's bad. It's just finding like a simple moment in a sports game, like somebody like falling down. You can just be like, that's really funny. Like that's hilarious. Like it just, I, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It makes me feel better about things. But having it that does. kind of mindset, it just makes me feel better about things. Having the, a more positive outlook definitely helps. So talking about now how things have changed over time, the organ, the composition of the team is a little bit different. They've changed coaches twice in the last few years. How have you felt about how Laviolette has been as a head coach? He's been around the block a long time. He won a cup like 20 years ago. He's been behind the bench of several different teams in the meantime. What have your impressions been of him as the Capitals coach? I, to be honest, I think he's been – <clears throat> as advertised mm -hmm. um it, he hasn't been a bad coach I, there's some decisions like with the, a lot of the youth in the organization like Connor McMichael gets like two minutes of ice time a game that's an exaggeration but it, it really just feels like he does, he's not getting as much time and he is a good player like the analytics and the eye test back that up so I mean it's confusing there but it, like I like you said he's been around the league forever He's been behind many different benches with many different players. So I haven't, like, I haven't lost my faith in Laviolette yet. Like, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't lost my faith, faith in him yet. Um, plus, like, they've been injured to hell this season. So there's yeah. a lot of different things that go into that. Like, I can't, if everybody was healthy and they were still playing like this, I would probably have, like, a, maybe be like, eh, but, you know, what, what can you do? Um so yeah, I think with Laviolette, I think he is he's been as advertised. I think he's a good coach for the for the team that they have, for the players that they have on the roster. I think he's it's a good fit. Um, not the coach that I wanted in the offseason. Okay. You guys ended up getting Gallant. Yeah. I wanted Gallant. Um, but again, I like I said, I think it was it's not a bad fit. I'm not upset with it couple yeah. things here and there i wish he would do but it is what it is i mean yeah you can definitely tell the energy is a little bit different the two years under reardon were really kind of weird the way that ended in the bubble was kind of bad and especially coming in for a coach who had just won the cup and leaving under kind of weird circumstances the way that trots ended up leaving and trots is kind of has brain worms now where he can't make a competent lineup <laughs> which i don't I, I just don't understand like if you're going to lose anyway why wouldn't you play the 20 year old who like you know can skate in a straight line kind of fast it's just I understand you've been coaching hockey since I was a figment of my parents' imagination, but like a little create a little creativity here, guys. Like I know Connor McMichael is like 22 years old, if that. Peter, I know you and him probably don't connect a lot on an emotional level or a psychological level. But 
give me give me a chance. It's the same thing with the Rangers. Like I think Gallant's a decent coach, but like if you're gonna play Alexi Lafreniere with Barkley Goudreau and Kevin Rooney, what would you like him to do? He's a playmaker. If he can't, if he passes a puck to somebody and the person shoots the puck and misses the net by ten feet, no shit, Lafreniere is gonna have no points because he's playing with bums. It's just there's a, such a fundamental lack of creativity in hockey coaches because it's the same forty guys for thirty two jobs. That's the thing. Like exactly. I, everybody, everybody's making fun of the Habs for hiring St. Louis out of coaching, like you know, Pee Wee hockey. But at least they're throwing shit at the wall. Like they're trying to be creative. I, it probably isn't going to go well for him there because that roster isn't very good. But at least they're thinking. Hockey needs more of that creative in forward thinking idea. Just be willing to mess up. That's something I would like hockey teams to try more. Especially more veteran teams like what you guys have. Like, what does Laviolette have to lose? Let them figure it out. I mean, you're probably looking at a wild card right now based on how things are looking. For sure. Be a little reckless. Be a little reckless. I mean, you got the best goal scorer of maybe all time, probably, definitely of his era, arguably of all time. Let Ovi go nuts. It was one of the weirder things when I was doing the research for this. Why is your power play so bad? What what the fuck happened? This is what the Capitals. This is what the Capitals do. This is what the Capitals do. Is the power play. You know how many Ovechkin goals I have seen scored on the power play against my team? Where it's just like, we're really just gonna let Ovechkin stand there at the top of the circle, huh? And it were What's going on with the power play? That's the first thing I want to talk about in terms of this season. I think uh, everybody on you know in our fan base wants to point at Blaine Forsythe, who is responsible uh, responsible for the power play. And they would be right to do that because nothing has changed. Um, the slingshot, we watch the slingshot every time. You can tell how a Capitals power play is going to go by the first faceoff. If they lose that <laughs> faceoff, they will, and it goes out of the zone, they will never set up again. They will constantly be stuck trying to get into the zone or they'll get it in and then it's immediately turned over and sent back down the ice. If they win the faceoff, it will either go back to John Carlson, who will give the worst pass to Ovechkin you have ever seen in your life, <laughs> or it will get force fed into whoever the bumper guy is and it's gone. So, I mean, it, it sucks because they don't have Oshi and Oshi is, yeah. you know, really good, you know, dangerous on the power play. And then, you know, they got to worry about him because if you cover Ovechkin, Oshie's there. But, it, I mean, at the same time, like, I, I truly don't know fundamentally what happened and why they're not able to execute on the power play. Like, their their power play is a better scoring chance for the other team lately yeah. than it is for the Capitals. I just – I don't – it's very frustrating to watch. Um, and something needs to change there, whether it be – Blaine Forsythe has to go and they need to bring in a, like you said, like a, a creative mind for that power play who can, you know, generate more chances uh, from everybody on the ice. I don't know if it's the personnel at the moment. Uh, I've always said that I know he's hurt right now, but I always said that, you know, Mantha was a power play guy in Detroit. He yeah. should be on there in some way when he's healthy, he should be on there. That's another scoring threat. He's got a great shot. He should be on there. So when they get healthy, I mean, and we'll, we'll see what they do with the deadline coming up. Um, but it, that is one of the biggest concerns is their special teams recently has not been great. 
it's just been very mediocre and the power play has been absolute garbage. Um, I, I really don't know how they fix it. I mean, yeah, that's the million dollar question. I mean, you figure a group that has Ovechkin and Backstrom and Carlson out there would be able to figure it out at some point. Like, even at their worst, like we've seen teams with like, even if you have the high end talent and the unit's not great, you can occasionally just have the superstar player just make a crazy play happen. Like two years ago, the first year Panarin was on the Rangers. That was the power play. Give the puck to Panarin and let him do something. That was all they could do. They did not have a strategy. It was give him the puck and clear out space like it was an isolation play in basketball that was the rangers power play two years ago now they've changed it and it actually works well but you would think fundamentally just set up the one-timer get it down low like you said though no oshi hurts a lot because oshi in the other bumper spot is a legitimate chance threat to shoot in a way that like really nobody else is oshi shot is pretty underrated when you think about what he's good at but opening it up a little bit more now talking about where the team is at right now Coming into the season, I felt reasonably good about them. This is, you know, them in Pittsburgh, I always kind of just assume are going to make the playoffs in this division until something changes. So baseline that. The one question I had for them, which is valid, is the goaltending. Because that has been... I don't want to say a question mark because they got decent play out of Vanacek last year when he wasn't on the COVID list like three separate times. But there's been a real, I don't want to say a question mark at that position since Holtby left, but it kind of feels like they need a little bit more from that position right now. I think, like, I've been a huge Ilya Samsonov guy. um, And what what I've said is Samsonov has the talent. He's got a very high ceiling. Mm -hmm. It's just, like he'll hit it he'll he'll play to his potential for two to three games in a row and then you'll get seven games out of him where he's just very average to below average whereas Vanacek is more consistent but he's more consistently average to below average I don't think his ceiling is really that high so Mm. you have one goaltender who is average who is overachieving on some nights and you have one goaltender who is very good who is underachieving on most nights and I, like to say that Ilya Samsonov has been a disappointment these past two years would be a, a fine thing to say like I understand why people express their frustration with him he hasn't been the guy that, that they want him to be he's still young he's still yeah. you know he's only 24 years old but you're talking about a team that only has four to five years left with this core how are you going to make the, how are you going to, you know, be a competitor when you have two goalies who are just constantly flip-flopping on who's playing well and who's not like it, you can't yeah. rely on these two. And the thing is the Capitals gave up a second round pick to get Vanacek back yeah. in an off season where plenty of goalies were available. Like there were so many, you had Olmark, Ranta, Kemper, uh, Grubauer went to Seattle, even though he's, shit this year but i don't really think that's his his fault as much as it is seattle just being bad um i think i already said olmark reimer there was i had a list written down (laughs) somewhere of just all of these dudes who got moved around like there were guys available and you spent a second round pick to get back the goalie that you knew was kind of average like that's a second round pick yeah Nadelkovich went for less than that. Flurry yeah. went for less than that. So, it, like, that's the one thing so far about Brian McClellan that 
I have the, that's the only move so far that he's made where I've been like, I don't really get it. Like I like Vitek Vanacek. I like Elias Samsonov, but you were in a position where there was plenty of goaltending available. It was the off season. So if you needed to clear space, you had plenty of time to do it. They could have done anything and they didn't do it. And now it's biting them in the ass and they have a little over a month to try and find a goaltender. I would rather they do it sooner than later because they're losing points. Detroit is only 11 points behind them um, in, you know, in the wild card race. And I'm not saying Detroit is a lock to make the playoffs, <laughs> but if you keep fooling around like this, you yeah. never know. Uh, they're probably not going to make the top three in, in the Metro. I mean, but look, look at the Metro. Pittsburgh has Jari. Carolina has Freddie Anderson, who was available in the offseason. Yeah. The Rangers have Shesterkin, who is carrying the entire city of New York. Yes. And Boston has Olmark, and they have Swayman. You know, Florida has Bobrovsky, who is – and Knight. Bob is finally playing up to that contract, even though it's still a little ridiculous. Tampa has the best goalie in the world, in my opinion. Toronto has Campbell and Peter Mrazek. So there were guys available – and now the Capitals are paying for not going to get any of them and spending a second round pick on a goalie that they already knew well enough about to know that like this guy's probably not going to be a starter. So like I said, it's just biting them in the ass now. Um, and recently people have been like, Oh, Oh, but goaltending's the only problem. And it's like, well, it's not, it's, it's not, but it is a huge problem. They're not getting those saves that a lot of these other guys are going to make. And that's been a big difference is, you know, in the game against Ottawa, they scored their fourth goal on a shot that Samsonov should have saved. He should have saved it, snuck through the body. And that pretty much killed any chance of them coming back. I mean, they were only down two goals. They weren't playing well, but you never know what could happen. That's just two shots on net. that could find its way in. And now it's three and game's over. They get a save there. You never know what could happen. So that's the one thing that I think they should fix. Um, but th- there's really not a whole lot of options out there at the moment. So they're going to have to get creative. Do you feel like the outlook slash direction of the team and the way they've built the team, it fits where the league is going because they've got the kind of expensive fourth line. They are paying a lot of money to just a handful of guys. And then they're really kind of trying to piecemeal through that middle six right now, partly because of injury, but also because of cap limitations. Do you think the way they've designed the roster makes sense? Like from an abstract, like if you were to just look at the opening night lineup, if everybody's healthy, do you think it makes sense? Yes and no, kind of. It's kind of an interesting thing. Like, I think that's actually a really, really good question. Um, Like, on defense, they have a couple guys who can – who are good puck movers, like Nick Jensen, TVR, Martin Faravari. They've got some youth up and down the lineup. It's not much. And I think it's more youth than they wanted to have at the start Mm -hmm. of the season. Um. But to be honest with you, I think that that's a good thing that they're finding out what some of these younger guys can do. Um, But this roster that they have, the roster that they went into the season with is a lot of older guys, older in hockey terms. Um, And just not too much speed. You have a couple fast guys like 
Carl Hagelin is fast, but he can't do much other than penalty <laughs> kill at this point in his yeah. career. Um, like, you know, you have Garnett Hathaway and Nick Dowd, who are just complete grinders. I mean, they're absolute dogs who can occasionally score goals. But it's tough because, like, you look at – I look at teams like Carolina and the Rangers. They're fast. They can score very quickly on you. They're tough to keep up with, like especially Carolina. And Carolina like, is the same. insane. Carolina is insane They're, with the team speed. The team speed is just unfair. absolutely. Yeah, the speed and the skill that they have is crazy, and that's where the league is going. Like Toronto has speed and skill. Tampa has speed and skill. Florida has speed and skill. The Capitals have a little bit of speed, but those speed guys don't really have skill. Like Kuznetsov <laughs> is probably the most skilled speed guy that they have. McMichael has some speed, but he's still young. He's still learning, you know, how to play in the NHL. So I think that they do need to get faster in the long, but again, do they do that now? Do they prioritize getting a goalie? Do they prioritize scoring up front? What do they do? They got a lot of guys who can play grindy hockey, but they're not scoring. Yeah. So in a way, I think that they're built they're built for the playoffs. I would agree in my with opinion, that. Yeah, it's a team that's kind of built more for playoff style hockey than regular season hockey, which might be this might be like one of the first times I'd say the past like 2 or 3 years and I know that they played like shit in the playoffs the last two years, <laughs> but like this might be the first time where the team wasn't really built for regular season play. They're more built for that like down the stretch playoff style hockey so we'll see i mean if they're a wild card team and they make it that's fine i i don't care how they get in as long as they get in um because when you get in you never know what could happen look at montreal last year that was, yeah and now they have eight wins like come <laughs> on but yeah. i i think it, once they get oshi back and they get mantha back like those guys can play heavy style hockey and that you do need to be able to have you know you got to have guys who can play that heavier hockey in the playoffs eventually that speed and skill is going to get worn down the longer the playoffs go on. Like you're just, you're getting hit. You're playing heavy hockey every single night. So it's nice to have guys who can do that. Like I think Mantha, Mantha was a perfect addition and people don't agree with that, but Mantha was a perfect addition to the team and perfect for that style of play. So I think that it's a team that can play good playoff hockey. They're just going to need somebody who can make a few saves and a little bit of scoring touch up front, and they should be fine. Should be. But are they built for the way that the league is going currently? Not really. No. <laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. So one of the I things that's kind really... of confusing, but like... No, no. I, I yeah. got what you're saying. I definitely get what you're saying because there are a lot of teams that are built well for the regular... It's more common to see that in basketball where you have a team that wins like 60 games every year like the Hawks would do or the Raptors would do and then they would just play whatever team LeBron was on in the second round and get swept out because those teams <laughs> weren't built for the playoffs. That, that's more common in basketball than it is in hockey, but that's definitely a thing. And we've seen teams try to kind of change the way their bottom six is specifically for that. The Rangers went way out of their way to get the Barkley Goudreaux of the world specifically for that kind of environment. The Leafs have done that a lot the last couple of years with guys like Wayne Simmons, Spezza, on those veteran minimum contracts trying to get that that extra layer and one of the advantages the capitals have is 
your best players are also like just pains in the asses to play against. Like Ovechkin will just bowl his way past you, even though he's 35 years old. He will just throw an arm. <laughs> he will use that dad strength and just body the shit out of you to get you out of the way. So everybody knows Tom Wilson is the same kind of deal where if he, you're in his way, he's going to clean you out of the way. And it worked. That's the thing that people really overlooked with Tampa was Kucherov is a mean fuck. And he's one of the 10 best players in the league. <laughs> You've got it. Your best players have to be that kind of way for your team to be good. But you have those kind <laughs> You have those kind of teams where you have the mean, nasty guys who aren't particularly good at hockey, and they have really good guys on their team who are amazing at hockey, but they don't really have a mean streak in them. They can't bully their way to the net. I know that's what the Toronto media likes to do every single time the Leafs lose in the first round. It's, well, Mitch Marner can't drive to the net because he's 5'9". I mean, yeah, but he's not the only guy on the team who doesn't drive the net. That's the thing. Washington, you guys... That your forwards are nasty. They will go to the net. They're willing to try and score in the ugly ways. And then they've got that fourth line that they refuse to break up that can play that dumpy, grindy style. And it speaks well to your point that you just made about being designed for the playoffs. Your best players are really, really annoying to play against. Yeah. Um, I know everybody has like their own like opinions about Tom Wilson. And I think a lot of that stems from the earlier career of Tom Wilson, where he was, actually trying to kill people but yes he's he's more he's rounded out his game the past two three years he's a guy that any team would be happy to have he's a pain in the ass on the ice because he can score he can pass he can hit you he can fight he can literally he's he's a I don't want to say meat and potatoes kind of guy because that's like a very classic like I would use that to describe a fourth liner like a meat and potatoes kind of guy but He's a guy that can do it all. He's a jack of all yeah. trades. He's a great player now. You know, it's like you said, pain in the ass. Kuznetsov, pain in the ass yeah. to play against because you never know what he's going to do. Speaking of Kuznetsov, actually, this is one of the things I did want to touch on. He's having a really nice bounce back season. I don't know what they told him in the offseason because his name was out there at one point during the offseason as that they might trade him to try and free up some space and redesign the roster a little bit, but... Is there anything that's jumped out to you about his game this season that's dramatically different from last year as to why he's playing so much better? I, th I just think he's having fun again. I, I don't think he was having fun um, if the year before and the year before that. I just – I don't know what it was. Um, the thing about Kuznetsov is that when he's out there and he's, like, he's having fun, and you can tell, like, just from all the – like, I, I know that maybe, like, people who don't keep up with the caps or follow them or see the stuff that they post on social media. But when you can tell that like he's having fun outside of hockey and then inside of hockey as well, he's just a better player. He's more creative. Um, I, I, I don't know if maybe Laviolette kind of eased up on him a little bit or things like that, or the expectations with Reardon and Laviolette are completely different, but something has changed. And I, to be honest with you over the off season, I didn't want them to trade him. I've never wanted them to trade him. I love Evgeny Kuznetsov, but I had accepted it because like you said, his name was out there. It really seemed like at that point in time, he was not going to be a Washington capital going into the season. I'm glad he is. I never gave up on him because his skill set is there. He's one of the most yeah. skilled players and one of the most creative players, but it was just, it was just, he just needed to have fun again. And he's been, you can tell just by watching the games, he's 
having fun. He's doing all the creative shit that he used to do. So it's nice to have him back. It's refreshing to have this Kuznetsov back. And if if he wasn't, if he wasn't, if they kept him and he wasn't playing like this, I'm telling you right now, they would be a lot, they'd be a lot lower than a wild card. Yeah. Yeah, he's been he's been probably their best forward aside from Ovechkin this year. Just in the games I've watched and just looking at the stat sheet, looking at the underlying numbers, he's just he's so good in transition, which is an underrated thing that nobody um, except for hockey nerds likes to talk about. But just the little things, the subtle moves, the keeping the defense off balance, he's it's weird to describe him as underrated because I don't know if he's ever going to be more than a second line center, but he's also a very good second line center. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with that. I think that hits the nail pretty much right on the head. Yeah. He's been he's really helped them out a lot this year. And speaking about this year, coming into the season, you look at the roster expectations that that they've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. I mean, no Backstrom and basically no Oshie. I mean, Backstrom has, I think, 20-something games played at this point. They have 50 games total played. Oshie has, like, 11, 12, something like that when I was looking it up earlier. And to be in a playoff spot losing two guys from your top six, that's nothing to sneeze at. I know this team expected to make the playoffs coming into the year, but missing those kind of guys, that's a big deal. Not a lot of teams would have been able to withstand that. I mean, the Islanders were just ravaged where like half their team was on the COVID list and it's a little bit different, but you guys have weathered the storm enough that unless something crazy happens, it seems like you're a pretty safe bet to make the playoffs. Yeah. If they can, if they can avoid any more serious injuries, like Oshi hasn't, I don't think he's touched the ice since January. Which Something I think like that. Yeah. Mantha hasn't played since I, I want to say November. I want to say early November is when he got hurt. Um, yeah, Backstrom was out. He had the off-season surgery. I don't remember what it was on. I know that he. Had I think it was a hip. Surgery, I think know. it was a. Hip. I think you're right. I think it was a hip, which is serious. That I mean, that was that's what killed Brooks Like's career. I don't know if yeah. you remember Brooks Like, but hip yeah. hip injuries would killed his career. So that was scary. But they they just need to avoid getting hurt. And I'm. I'm going to be honest with you. I am so sick and tired of injuries. I don't mean to switch to like football, but as a Ravens fan, their entire roster. Oh, the Ravens had the Ravens had the year from hell two years in a row, two years in a row. The Ravens had the year from hell. I just can't take any more injuries. I'm done. (laughs) I'm done with injuries. Please no more. I've had enough. I'm not your strongest soldier. I've had enough. I can deal with this team losing as long as they're healthy just just let them be healthy that's all i ask um but yeah they need to they've luckily avoided serious injuries on the on defense that thankfully, yeah which is huge because i'm not uh super confident in 34 year old matt Irwin, who's hasn't been <laughs> bad for the games that he stepped in but i would rather that be like a tvr or martin Ferravari. um I, Michael Kempney, you were a good guy. It's time to, it's time to go be a family man. <laughs> it just is what it is. It's time. Um, but yeah, luckily, they've avoided a lot of injuries uh, recently. There's been some scares with, uh, I think there was a game, I don't know if it was Ottawa or not, but there was a game recently where Kuznetsov got hurt, it looked like, and it looked bad, but he was fine. 
it, it looked like a non-contact, but he was fine. So that's good. Um, so yeah, they just need to they need to get healthier. Like getting Oshi back would be huge. Mantha's probably Mantha probably won't play until like late March. I would say something like that. Probably yeah. After, yeah, probably after the deadline. Yeah. So looking ahead, because we assume this team will make the playoffs. When you look at this roster, aside from the goaltending, because we spent a lot of time on that already, is there anything that jumps out to you is that there's a glaring hole that this needs to be addressed? Either we need to tweak the way our lineup is set up so someone else is doing this job, or they need to bring in from the outside. Is there anything that jumps out to you like that? Yeah, the the bottom six needs to be able to do more than just kill penalties and, and play a grindy game. They need They need one or two guys in the bottom six who is actually – a legitimate scoring threat. Mm-hmm. Um, who that is, I don't know. Daniel Sprong is probably not the answer that we all thought he was going to be. Uh, he's got a nice shot, but he's probably not the answer that we, we thought he was going to be. Like I said, he's not. Um, Connor Sheary is a nice piece. I like Connor Sheary. Yeah. I, I've, I've made my, you know, I've said enough about Carl Haglin. The guy's a great <laughs> penalty killer. He's a fast skater. There is a better player out there for you to get and give more than $2 million to who can kill penalties and also score. Yeah. They're, they're out there. You just need to make, you just need to make the move. You, you just need to do it. And they have the ability to generate a little bit of cap space. Like I said, they need to find a team where they can dump Kempney's salary. Um, Maybe a team who needs like a seventh defenseman, you can maybe try to dump him there. I don't really think he has that much value at the moment, uh, just because, you know, he's coming off a huge injury and he hasn't played that much. And when he has, he hasn't played well. Um, So Arizona, I'm looking at you. If you would like to take on a contract, (laughs) uh, please call my phone number and we can start working on that. And then, like I said, like Carl, like teams aren't going to be calling them about Carl Hagelin, so they're going <laughs> to have to find somebody who can who can take him, uh, and they're going to have to incentivize them. Whether it's yeah. a part of a bigger deal, as just a, we have to include him to clear space or whatever, but they do have to make they do have to do something in terms of scoring. They're hurting up front. Um, it's like if Oshi is going to be out for a while, and like we already know Mantha is going to be out for a while. That's two huge goal scorers on your team that are gone, you need to do something sooner rather than later to address that because you're going to drop points. You know, the Rangers, the Penguins, the Hurricanes, they're going to pull ahead of you. The teams behind you are going to start to catch up a little bit more. I'm not super worried about a lot of the teams behind them. I think Detroit is really the only one that I can see pulling through uh, and potentially making a wild card spot. So I mean, they got lucky. I thought the East was going to be a lot more of a slaughterhouse this year than it is. It's really, <laughs> yeah. it's been a little disappointing to be honest, but yeah, um, they do need I, to address like, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say last year, that division was just a, 
in unfair. That division was just a miserable existence to be in last year. Where Boston was in the division too, and Boston was really good last year. Just the whatever. What were they calling it last year? The East Division, whatever. That was a massacre. So to your point about how this year it's kind of been a disappointment that we basically have known who the playoff teams are going to be since like Christmas, which really doesn't happen that often. So definitely a weird thing. Yeah, it's it's been super weird, and I don't I don't see much changing. Like Detroit is my my wild card wild card pick, but <laughs> yeah. Like other than that, I don't see the Islanders coming back. I don't see any of the top three teams in the Metro falling out of place. Like they're all they're all better than the Capitals are. All of the teams in the Atlantic who are leading the Atlantic are better than the Bruins are. So I don't I don't foresee a whole lot changing there. Uh, to be honest with you i like you said i think it's gonna be pretty much the, like the way that it is now it's just in terms of who's playing who is really all it's gonna all it's gonna you know all that's left to find out is who's playing who so in terms of expectations for the rest of the way making the playoffs yes i mean they made the playoffs last year lost in round one to boston in a weird series that was kind of wonky the goaltending was really an issue what are your expectations in terms of what happens when they get to the playoff? So let's break it up into two parts. Number one, what do you want to happen? Like, what would you consider a successful season to be? And then number two is, what do you think will happen? For me, I think a successful season from where they are now is making the playoffs and winning a playoff series in a convincing fashion, meaning okay. like they win in five or six. And they do it convincingly. Um, not they're getting saved by, you know, some some luck or some bullshit. Like they <laughs> actually, they look good in the series and they play good and they win in five or six. That's That would be good enough for me, to be honest. Like that would really mm -hmm. be good enough for me. Um, I don't expect them to make a ton of noise like i said we still have to like the deadline's coming up so we'll see what they do and like that'll kind of change my opinion a little bit but what i want to see is them win a series in convincing fashion and i'll be happy i'll write the season off as a win if you know ovechkin hits you know over 40 goals and they win a playoff series complete win i'm as happy as can be i have no issues they can get boat raced again by whoever they play in the second round i mean the past two playoff series the islanders in the bubble and then the Bruins, it just they got absolutely clowned on. Yeah. Like it, it, the Islanders series wasn't even close. They won a game, but it wasn't even close. Um, they were already down three nothing at that point. And then the Bruins, they won the first game in overtime on a dumb deflection, and then they go on to lose four in a row. And I know the goaltending was meh. They had Craig Anderson in there at one point. Yeah. So you know, great playoffs, but. At the same at the same time, they also just played like shit. So yeah. if they win a playoff series in convincing fashion, I will be happy. What I think is gonna happen is they will make the playoffs and they will either play against uh I'm gonna say Carolina wins the division over Pittsburgh. So they will either play Carolina or they will play Florida or Tampa Bay, and they will promptly get steamrolled by either of those squads so yeah. yeah that's kind of my uh that's what i think is gonna happen i hope that's not what happens but if it does whatever those teams are better 
what can you do? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the weird thing when you're a team, like kind of where Washington and Pittsburgh are, where they've already won their Cups and they're kind of trying to recapture their magic. But at the same time, you realize just flat out, you don't have as much talent as Tampa does, as Carolina does, as Florida does. And it's going to be an uphill battle for pretty much any team in the East that's not one of those three teams. And that's just the way hockey is right now, where it's extremely top-heavy, and you're going to need to have a special run from a player on your team to be able to elevate. I mean, weird things happen in the hockey playoffs. Hockey is a very random and convoluted sport where weird shit happens very frequently. I mean, everybody is still kind of dumbfounded that the Canucks made it as far as they did in the bubble playoffs, and apparently everybody just wants to steal players from that team from two years ago. Now... And what the last thing I want to talk about is just your confidence level in the team, how you feel about it. So starting from a, how confident are you in the general manager to like identify talent and properly value talent? Oh, very confident. They've always been able to find guys in later rounds who are, you know, key pieces of the team going forward. They've always been able to do that. I have, that's why I don't care if they trade away their first round draft pick ever because they, <laughs> yeah. they're they good at finding talent in the second and third rounds and so on and so forth. So um, I'm, I'm confident in Brian McClellan. I, I said earlier what my only like gripe with him so far has been, and that was not getting a more proven goalie in the season where they were all available. Um, the very confident. How about Laviolette to get the most out of the guys he has available to him? How confident are you in his ability to do that? Moderately confident. Moderately okay. confident. And then lastly, how confident are you in the talent on the team to be able to play up to their ability to meet expectations? If the top six is healthy, pretty confident. Um, okay. The bottom six... Not very confident. The defense, pretty confident. Goaltending, not confident. Um, yeah. That's kind of so. Break. I'll kind of break it down like that. It's kind of a mixed bag. Like, like I said, my confidence level for the different parts of the team are just kind of all over the place. I am very confident though that whatever they do, it will be really fun. I am very confident in that. What makes you say that? Just the way the season is gone, or just you got like some sick Spidey Sense thing going on? They are a genuinely hilarious team this year. Just the scoring on yourself is that was amazing. That was so that was funny. incredible, honestly, incredible. And then just <clears throat> some of the goals that they've like watching the power play, incredibly funny. Um, Alex Ovechkin being 36 and scoring at will very funny um <clears throat> it's just like kuznetsov is having fun he's naturally very funny so you know it, uh, tom wilson was an all-star very funny so this team they they have the potential right now to finish as the funniest team in the league um we'll see we'll see how that goes coyotes are pretty i don't know if the coyotes are funny or sad right now i'm kind of trying to like <laughs> there's a scale that i'm trying to yeah. balance and i don't know if it's funny or sad it's kind of a little bit of both that's a good way to look at it yeah um last thing i want to touch on you were talking about it when we first started the conversation about just being able to take the little moments be able to enjoy them as they come how 
what is your mind like when you're coming up with these ideas that have me like laughing so hard my chest hurts because genuinely <laughs> like are you like are you a volume guy like me where you're just constantly like writing things down bookmarking them saving them to a folder for later or are you just genuinely coming up with this shit on the spot my dude most of the stuff that goes on in my head is just like completely off the dome like word i don't like something i'll i'll hear something or i'll see something and then my brain will just start like clicking and then it'll come up with something. And I don't think I'll just put it like, I'll put it down into a tweet and I'll send it out. And then that's just kind of like, I'll let it marinate for a little bit. Um, <laughs> I've never, I've never deleted a tweet before, despite <laughs> what people like to say about me. I've never deleted a tweet before. If any of them disappear from the timeline, it was Twitter removing them for whatever reason but it has never been me. My hand has never pressed the delete tweet button on my phone or computer. I just want to put that out there, put it in writing. My legal team will back me up on that one. Um, but yeah, it's um, mostly just all off the dome, man. Like my, my brain is, is rotten. It's broken. From years of sports and like playing sports and watching sports and consuming various forms of media my brain is, is gone my brain yeah is it's gone. it's just an amalgamation of random shit that's all my brain is that's all everybody i interact with on hockey twitter is it's just like yeah my brain is just hockey db and bullshit that's all that's going on up there like i can tell you a lot about like lars eller's 2014 for some reason i don't know why but that's in my brain and that's just kind of where we are for people especially people in our age bracket where we're kind of a little bit too old to be dicking around online as much as we do, but it's still funny as hell, which is the main, that's the main reason I'm still on Twitter, even though I should probably be doing better things with my time. It's just, it's so genuinely funny to see what's going on in people's minds. And you are one of those people. You genuinely, I see your handle. Like if I see the handle before the tweet, I'm like, okay, should I be, do I need to cover my phone for the people around me in my periphery? Like, how, do, is this safe for other people? If someone's looking over my shoulder, am I in my room alone? Okay. Just you make my day better when I see your tweets. That's what I'll say to wrap up this conversation. Genuinely very damn funny. That that means a lot, man, because I just I just like making people laugh. Um, I like making people happy. That's really what like that's really what it comes down to. Like that's the most important thing. Like that's how we all yeah. get through every day, is just making each other laugh and just trying to be funny. So that like that that's what's really important to me. So that that genuinely means a lot. I appreciate that. All right, man, I'm going to get you out of here. Please, please, please. If you are listening to this and you don't already follow my dude, Caps Boy Bebop, please, please, please follow him. But like I said, you might have to, like, cover your phone if you're around other people just to be safe. <laughs> you don't want them thinking you're crazy. It, it, it comes up on the timeline. It's it's the timeline. I didn't do this. It's on the timeline. That's all I got to say. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Please, if you get a chance, if you didn't already, check out yesterday's. We did the Super Bowl recap. Tomorrow, we've got a Vegas Golden Knights episode going up. Jack Eichel is coming back to playing ice hockey, even though the Twitter expert said he was never going to play hockey again. So we've got that going on. We've got a, um, why can't I remember now? Oh, wait, I have a production schedule behind me. That's right. And we have a Leafs <laughs> episode for Thursday. And then we're going to talk Redneck Super Bowl, the Daytona 500 on Friday. Lots going on. It's a good time to be a sports fan. I will see you guys tomorrow.